0: Good evening everybody and welcome to the on texas football tuesday night live stream i'm blake monroe and i'm joined by jerry hamilton a familiar face with me on tuesdays but a new guest tonight is bobby's out and we have joe cook filling in for for bobby both these guys with of course inside texas and on three sports and guys busy week coming up you know it was a busy weekend this past weekend got a couple of commitments in in the fold uh So why don't, you know, Jerry, you lead us out here and just kind of give us the rundown of what's happened over the past few days and what we can expect going forward.
1: Yeah, 20 official visitors over the weekend. There will be twenty, twenty-one again this weekend. Obviously, Santana Wilson, um, who may join uh, the live stream Friday, by the way, for for Texas fans. He may join us Friday afternoon. Um, He wanted to join us tonight, but he has team practice tonight. Santana Wilson, son of Adrian Wilson, uh, former NFL safety, now an executive in the NFL. Uh, the, the four-star corner committed, obviously, Saturday uh, to Steve Sarkeesian and staff. And then um, Freddie DuBose, uh followed along on Monday. And back. I think it was Monday. Joe, I lose track of the days. It had to have been Monday. Uh, committed Monday. Um, and then, look, I, so that's been talked about. But now the question is, how many of those guys from last weekend are leaning to Texas? I think Jordan Washington, big lean to Texas. I have a 75% RPM there. Um, Melvin Hills, I believe, is a big lean to Texas. I have a 75% RPM there. He's going to announce, I believe, July 12th. Jordan Washington will be, I believe, in July as well. Um, Christian Clark, I believe, the four star running back out of Phoenix. I believe is a Texas lean, heavy Texas lean. I'm not sure he visits Georgia this weekend. We'll have to see on that. I would put it less than 50 50, subject to change. Um, and then, you know, an interesting, you know, Miles Davis is right there Texas versus Texas a and the four-star safety out of Converse Judson. I talked to Josh Lair this afternoon. I think he may be a Texas link. Now, can Texas take all these guys? No. But I think Josh Lair, the mom, uh, family signed off on him going to Texas, if that's what he chooses. He's not going to Washington this weekend. Josh told me that. He canceled that visit. He's going to stay closer to home, so it's Texas, LSU, or Baylor. That one will be coming up. You know, I'm going to have to store an inside Texas here in a little while. But I talked to Malik Blockton out of Pike Road, the defensive lineman. That one won't surprise me if it goes Texas way. Again, Isaiah Funga, I think is maybe a lean to Texas, even though he's committed to Utah. So Bo Davis is going to have some interesting decisions to make on the defensive line because Terrence Hebler's now. We had left him on the official visit list at inside Texas, but we knew he was still talking with Texas, and we'll get into this. He's still he's coming in this weekend. Now the Mississippi State commitment commitment and anytime you're coming in about two and a half weeks after commitment that is not a commitment to me he's making an official visit to Texas for a reason so we'll see what happens it's a a lot going on at DB and defensive line they're not going to get all these guys but they're going to get their majority
0: a lot like we like you said lots of visitors coming up of course you can stay tuned with all the latest and breaking news over there at InsideTexas.com. Jerry Joe y'all do a great job and of course the rest of the staff there and uh, lots of questions already rolling in, guys, so let's just go ahead and jump over to them. And our first question, it seems like it seems like E. Kim is the first. I love question. Well, <laughs> anyway, early bird gets the worm. He says, Jerry and Bobby, we're going to say Jerry and Joe, best wide receiver and cornerback you've seen in and out of Texas.
1: Texas high school football, Joe. E. Kim loves these questions, and I love these questions. Um, you know, as far as a pure, just great, talent i mean it's hard to beat roy williams coming out of odessa Permian for me i mean it's just you know the guy could long jump 24 something uh maybe even he may have even hit 25 i can't remember uh but he's the guy that if you were just walking around uh, the practice fields one day and saw a guy that looked like a quarterback that didn't play quarterback that was roy williams back in the day he was just that level talent i mean and He's one of those guys that played football, made a lot of money because he was really good at it versus truly loving the game. else I think he could have been a multi-year pro bowler and one of those just great, great players. Uh, But as far as just a pure talent, man, there just aren't many guys built like him that could run like he could, uh, that had the link, that had the natural playing strength. I mean, that guy really had just about everything other than the great, great love for the game.
2: Yeah, I'm, my, my frame of reference obviously doesn't go back as, as far as yours does. I kind of started doing it. The first recruiting event I went to uh, was in 2016, the opening down in Houston. Uh, that was the one where, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Sam Ellinger, a bunch of different guys were there. And it's kind of my, uh, my tryout for Inside Texas. But my frame of reference obviously is a little bit shorter for wide receiver. I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson. Uh, I know that's not an easy one for for Texas fans to to think about. But, man, I got to go see him play for Lake Travis right down the road for me. But, honestly, here's the crazy part that really sold me on Garrett Wilson. It wasn't when he played wide receiver. It was when he played defensive back against a dinged-up but still really talented Theo Weiss deep in the state playoffs, and Theo did not do a thing against them. That's when I realized, okay, this is a pretty special guy – uh, really talented, and now you know even with the iffy quarterback situation last year up and up with the Jets, still had a great season. Looks like he's going to have some great things uh, going on this year, and just seeing him in that Lake Travis system it was it was pretty special uh, during his time with the Cavs.
1: Uh, I'm going to add one more to this: um, TJ Ford. Obviously, people that listen to this uh, live stream know TJ and I are longtime friends. T.J. had Garrett Wilson in AAU basketball. T.J. once told me if he quit football, he'd play in the NBA. Yeah. That's a talented dude, man. T.J. Ford does not pass out compliments to guards very often, okay? He was just like, that's how athletic he is. If he just said, I'm going to come train, I want to be an NBA player, he said he thinks he could have made it in the league just off his pure athleticism. Um, he's kind of like a 6 1 version of Cason Wallace in basketball. Is what he would have been. Cason's about to be a lottery pick. So probably would have been that second round type of guy. Uh, but yeah, a corner. Um, you know, corner's an interesting one. I, give me some time on that one. You know, it, it, there's been so many guys, I mean, out of Texas that were great corners. I mean, uh, some of the best guys didn't even end up making. I mean, I'm not sure there was a guy more physically gifted than a Dorian McCullough, who was part of that 2002 number one recruiting class. He didn't come close to making it or living up to his talent level, but he was one hellacious talent. Um, That's back when 5'10 guys that were built like running backs played corner in the NFL. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy that ran 10-4. So he uh, he, he was pretty special at corner. Quentin Jammer, somebody brought up Aaron Williams, Quentin Jammer. Quentin Jammer's a hellacious talent for sure. Um, Aaron Williams, uh, I, I obviously out of the Round Rock area. Uh, people have asked, let's get to this. People, a number of people asked if Hudson's skipping his Texas official. Visit- <laughs> yes, he's not visiting Texas. Uh, he's expected to commit the Texas tackle later this week. Um, so that would, that, well, we'll get that one out of the way and then people can
0: start from there. <laughs> I'm sure we'll circle back to that one many times <laughs> throughout this next hour here. All right, guys. We got a uh, super chat here, and this one from Jesse Olman. We want to thank him, and he says, "How does Dubois compare to Demas?
1: I love, well, the, I love the question. It makes me laugh. I mean, uh, yeah. Go
2: ahead, I, go ahead, Joe. I want to be careful with my answer here. <laughs> fair enough. I'll I'll keep it on field. Um, the thing about uh, Demond Demas was no matter what he did off the field, impressive physical talent. Like oh, yeah. the guy did backflips. Like I can jump that high off the ground. Like, he is super impressive, um, physically explosive, had speed at 6'5", uh, but just didn't do the things necessary to stay on a football field. Uh, you know, not the UIL stuff, but just, you know, off the field at AM. DuBose, he's a talented track individual. Um, he messed up his knee early in the season last year for Smithson Valley, came back, ran some sub 49s in the 400, uh, and had some good jumping uh, marks as well. So he's got that athleticism, but he doesn't have, you know, Demas was what, six three and a half, six four, maybe even taller. DuBose is probably a little bit closer to the six-foot range, maybe not as explosive, uh, but still really talented. Probably a little bit better receiver than Demas was. Demas is a better athlete, uh, but I think DuBose probably has a, a little bit, uh, at, at least at this stage, um, a little bit more on him as far as being a receiver. Uh, big year for him. Um, we heard a lot of positives about him over on Inside Texas. Uh, people from Smithson Valley uh, talked about how he was a really good teammate uh, throughout the process a- after his injury. Um, and I think just seeing him come on the track cannot just run straight, doing the curves too. That's, that's kind of a challenge when you have a knee injury, uh, being able to do the curves and not just one, but two curves and do it really well, I think is a, a good sign. And Uh, He was someone that a lot of different programs wanted. I know he visited Tennessee. I think he took a Texas A&M visit several times in the process, and uh, it turns out in the end it was the Longhorns that won out for his services.
1: Um, Joe said a lot on that. We got so many questions. I'll just say this. Uh, DeBose came back seven months after an ACL uh, injury to compete in the state track meet. Uh, Demas would not have. Moving on. (laughs)
0: Uh, guys, we got another super chat here. This one from Kale Sherrod, and he says, "With Hudson out on Texas, what wide receivers are must gets to save the wide receiver recruiting class?" Well,
1: I mean, look, look. Uh, Ryan Wingo was in town last weekend. Number twenty-seven ranked prospect in the in the on three industry rankings. Texas has a legit puncher shot at him out of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Arch Manning was his host. You don't have Arch Manning host a wide receiver unless you think you got a chance at him. So we'll just start there and probably leave that one there. He had a great visit. He's posted he's been on uh, photos with Jordan Ross, the edge prospect out of Estavia Hills in Birmingham, who I actually think Texas may have a shot with here because of the academic athletic piece. Somebody somebody asked a question on Jordan Ross later. Uh, I believe he's ranked number 26 in the country. Uh, But Ryan Wingo, Parker Livingstone comes in this weekend, uh, low four-star prospect, four-star prospect out of Lovejoy. Um, We all think he commits to Texas at Inside Texas. Uh, Terry Bussey comes in this weekend. I believe he's at LSU unofficially today. A&M's had a big lead there. He's he's become a guy that was recruited as an athlete, but now wide receiver as a slot. Um, the question is, is tech, how far can uh, how much ground can Texas make up and how quickly can they do it? He visited Oklahoma last weekend for their another attempt at a barbecue weekend, which uh, probably went better than Lincoln Riley's attempt a few years ago. That's still on the Internet everywhere. Um, so, you know, uh, but I think uh, I, I think Texas will be fine at wideout. You know, I, I think they're going to be fine. I think the, here's the thing to remember. Um, this is the one position in the portal where you can absolutely go get as high in talent as you can in the high school level, but with more experience. And, and I mean, look, 80, Texas couldn't have recruited a wide receiver last year, and that includes Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore, that it, is it ready to come in and be a player year one like Adonai Mitchell. So that's what you can get in the portal. The portal has big time wide receiver talent every year. I mean, most Texas fans know what Isaiah Naylor would have looked like if he hadn't torn his ACL. Um, so I, I'm not worried about wide receiver in Texas at all. I'm one that views Micah Hudson as a really good player. We just talked about the best receivers. We've seen He's not Roy Williams. I, I want Texas fans to understand it. He's a very good player. He should be an NFL draft pick one day. He's not Roy Williams. Um, those guys are very, very, very rare, and, and I think Mike is a tremendous prospect, but I don't think he's very, very rare
0: all right well we got lots more rolling in i want to thank kale and jesse both but before we get to the next topic guys got to talk about energy texas real quick In energy texas they're here to help texans take their energy savings by the horns with their freedom flex plan for 4.95 a month you can switch plans every 30 days without penalty you enjoy texas size rewards and texcellent customer service that you can hang your hat on they serve texans without the bull so go and check them out at energytexas.com give them a call and see if they can help you. Okay, so switching gears for just a minute, Jerry, we got a basketball question for you, and it's Sark After Dark. He wants yeah. to know, will Texas be offering Jermaine O'Neal, Jr.? Um, it's a great question. I know they like him quite
1: a bit. Uh, I think they're watching him again this weekend. Uh, there's a big AEU event up in Dallas. I believe he's playing in. Um, uh, I'll be surprised if they don't. Um, at the end of the day. I do know they like him a lot. That 2025 class in Texas is absolutely loaded. I mean, absolutely loaded. I know they love his skill set for a young guy. Obviously, you see there, he's part of that 2025 class in Texas. But I mean, if you look at that right there, he's the number 56 ranked player in the industry ranking, but only the number seven ranked guy in Texas. That's a loaded basketball class in the state of Texas. I've off, you know, I've argued, in recent years that basketball talent in Texas is actually greater than football. Obviously there's just not as many of them, but I think the cream of the crop in basketball is, is, is better than football. And that's saying something because football is a great, is great in the state of Texas, but that's how good basketball is in Texas right now.
2: And then is that that's Asia's little brother, correct? It so there's a already a, a connection, yeah. Asia yep. O'Neal, uh, yep. a great story about her. She had the open heart surgery. Yep. Um, it's been a part of the – was a key part of the Longhorns National Championship volleyball team. So, hey, there's already familiarity uh, with Texas with the 40 Acres uh, with the O'Neill family. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Jerry, kind of remains to be seen with how how much high-end talent there is in this state in that class.
1: And, look, here's what impacts 20 – here's what really impacts basketball recruiting more than football for, for the guys who are maybe just follow basketball here and there. If Texas were to get Liam McNeely in 2024 – He's not a one-and-done guy. He's a two-, three-year college player. At that point, it may not make sense for Jermaine O'Neal Jr. to come to Texas. So who Texas gets in 2024 wing is going to impact the way Jermaine O'Neal looks at Texas for his son. That's very impactful in basketball because you really when it, when it gets down the to tournament time, you're playing about eight guys, and it gets down to the real games. And so it's going to depend on how much patience there would be, in a scenario like that versus opportunity in
0: another school. Uh, we got another super chat. This one from Jesse Ullman once again. So thank you, Jesse. Better chance in UT's class, Collins, or I call him O because I always butcher his last name. I'll let you, one of y'all say it. Uh, okay. Boy, yeah. Is it Colin Simmons? I, I think he means Colin Simmons. I'm guessing
1: he means Collins. Yeah,
2: Simmons. I think
0: that's what he meant there.
1: Oh, if not, I was going to go with Alfred Collins. But uh, over Uh <laughs> <him> <laughs> Look, I, I probably about even, honestly, because I just think Colin Simmons is going to Texas or LSU at the end of the day. I know there's some Miami chatter. I'm, I'm, I appreciate he got dra- dropped off in South Beach and said, we'll see you 48 hours later. And it was a great time. I'm not, I am not, still don't agree with dropping kids off 30 minutes from your campus and thinking that's actually going to work a lot long term. Uh, but th- I, I do appreciate Miami's attempt with that big visit weekend. Um, but, look, I mean, when Colin Simmons is – he's going to stay close to home. He's going to play in the SEC. I mean, I, he's at Duncanville High School. He's coming back to Texas for – as a third or fourth visit in, 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 so, in a few months, right? He works out at Collective uh, in Austin with, with Micah Parsons. There's a lot of things there with Texas. But Koye, you know, look, I mean – I know the mom's not making any of the official visits. I get it. Um, but if that kid were to – he would be a rare kid that would commit somewhere without a mom making an official visit. So, I mean, there's some work to do in that recruitment, I feel like, um, because anytime you don't get really the family on campus for an official visit, there, the coaches are looking at that as, okay, even if we feel good about this, we know there's a lot of work to do in that recruitment.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, one thing, you have all the info on this, Jerry, but just from from my perspective, two very different recruitments. Yeah. Like Colin Simmons knows this landscape. He knows the process. He's going to go coast to coast. I mean, he went to SMU, uh, like you said, saw Miami, uh, LSU, Texas, all these different schools. Akoye still just kind of gathering info, learning about all the different aspects. And I think I saw one of the pictures he had on Instagram. He had some teammates from his homeschool program, With him, So a lot of this is still novel to him. Um, They don't – they they could fit the same position. Uh, Maybe Okoye goes on the strong side and Simmons stays on the weak side. Uh, But two very different recruitments, at least at this stage, um, and just how they're being handled by by the players and, and by the coaches, I think, a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing, too. This is a good time to mention Jordan Ross from Vestavia Hills. Um, I spoke to somebody very close to that recruitment. The mom is in education, and the mom loved Texas. Uh, so you put in Collins, Okoye, Jordan Ross. There he is, number twenty-six in the uh, on-three industry rankings. You just start getting shots on goal. Nina, uh, Zena, Umeo Zulu is on campus this weekend, so you got four. Edge guys who are very highly ranked. Obviously, Colin Simmons. If there was a must-get guy in this class for Texas, I've always said this on Inside Texas: it's Colin Simmons. No offense to anybody else, you know, number one ranked Edge kid in the country from Duncanville High School. Um, if at the position where Texas could, he knows he's he could be a difference maker for Texas. He knows that, and Texas knows that. He, he's the must-get recruit in the state this year. Uh, but Okoye. Oh, Jordan Ross. I mean, Texas got some really good shots on goal here. They just need to get two of them. But one of those does need to be Colin.
0: Well, gentlemen, we're going to switch gears for a minute. This question here by Zachary Meade. We're going to go over to some team questions. What do you all think about the upcoming season and the impact that the freshmen will have? I think Joe Cook wrote on this very recently.
2: Yeah. I. Uh, one of the things we're, we're kind of doing with the network is – focusing on the freshman class that's coming in. And I wrote something today, five instant impact candidates from the 2023 class. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, talking about five, one of them is not Arch Manning. And I think that's, you know, maybe to outside observers or Stuart Mandel, maybe a little bit surprising, but, uh, you know, there's there's a line there. And maybe he jumps in line next year, but or at least for right now, and, you know, and let if fall camp proceeds how we expect it to go, It's going to be Quinn Ewer's job. Uh, On that article, I had five. I said that uh, DeAndre Moore and Jonte Cook would have an impact pretty early, Manny Muhammad at corner, C.J. Baxter, and then I put Anthony Hill because I don't think there's a better pass rusher than Anthony Hill. I don't think there may may not be a better downhill player on the team than Anthony Hill, but a lot of things he's going to have to work on are play recognition, you know, moving backwards. That's something that he didn't have to do a lot of at Denton Ryan. Uh, but Pekarowski is smart enough to figure out how to make sure that you know the, the his skill set is utilized. Offensive line, don't see anybody. Uh, defensive line, edge maybe in specialty situations. Uh, Colton Vosick in that uh, area, uh, but he's a guy who's got to get his weight up. Maybe he's a buck on his way to Jack. Bobby, I remember mentioning this, and I don't know how I feel about it, Jerry. But maybe you, do. Sadir Mitchell. He sees him as a guy playing early and I'm not sold considering. I don't think they take in Trill Carter if they think Sadir is ready. Uh, but I think he's got the size to be a factor, but uh, who knows about the conditioning or play strength or other stuff that is tough as you're closer to the ball for freshmen to be able to overcome in their first year.
1: Yeah. Sadir will play some because it's a six man rotation on the defensive line. Right. He's just not going to get major snaps unless somebody gets hurt in the first three. Um, so, yeah, he will play six-man rotation, but I'm not sure he's on the field as much as some of the other guys. I mean, one of the sleepers could be Spencer Shannon as a blocking tight end, depending on how the summer goes. How much, I think his, his frame is going to blow up pretty quick. It looks like that. Uh, a lot of people have asked about Derek Williams. Hard for any of us to say that. Is you wanting an early enrollee or Warren Roberson? I do, I do think Warren Roberson could have some special teams value because he will knock your helmet into the stands. Um, and if he's running full speed and gets the chance to do it, uh, I think that would uh, I think that would could be interesting, but I agree, I agree with Joe's uh, list uh, 100% of uh, uh, where he's going with that list. And uh, I think DeAndre Moore's a sleeper to be better than people think in this class, he's just too natural and instinctive at wide out, and he's he's got tremendous hands. People ju- don't just judge him by the drop deep ball when he was looking back into the sun at the spring game. I was looking at that angle, that was not an easy catch. Think, go back and watch the spring game and see everything else he did. Uh, but i I tend to agree with joe hey i want to hit on this everybody a lot of people have asked about ty anthony uh smith ty anthony smith canceled his texas official visit um i I, my rpm's in for usc and i don't plan on changing that one i think he'll uh uh, commit here in early july to usc unless a and m can flip him from usc but i think right now that's where that's headed um and somebody asked because ty anthony uh didn't come in about kamar mathudi texas canceled all midweek official visits. Kamar Mathoudi not coming in. Texas is just kind of, they're kind of reassessing the linebacker position. They felt like they knocked it out of the park in 23 with Anthony Hill. Leon Fau, who will play this year. Uh, Samaje Burrell, Darren Gillette, who's a linebacker slash edge. I think they feel really, really good about the 23 wider uh, linebacker class. So they're going to kind of sit back, see what happens with Ty Anthony long-term this year. Those recruitments are never over. See what happens with Justin Williams, whether I think he goes to Georgia over Oregon. He's visiting Georgia this weekend. I think Kirby's going to cut his old boy Dan Lanning at the knees on this one. Um, but Texas will still swing away at some of those kids and see what happens if they have a great season.
0: All right, we want to thank Jesse Ullman once again. He had a Ty Anthony question on a Super Chat and then says, thanks for the answer and time, guys. Keep up the great work. Thank you, <laughs> Jesse. Thank you Jesse. All right, this next one is more of a comment. This one from Tim Salinas, but wanted to get y'all's take on it. Considering how it's been since Mac Brown, losing on Micah feels like first-world problems for sure. This coaching staff has shown they can recruit with the best of them, so I'm confident.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I uh, if Texas hadn't signed Jante Cook, DeAndre Moore, and gotten A.D. Mitchell out of the portal last year, I mean, Ryan Niblett's running really fast in Austin right now. I mean, somebody could have a better argument, but I – I just think I don't worry about wide receiver. Now, the other thing I will say is if Micah Hudson was Julio Jones, I'd be concerned, okay, or Roy Williams. I just don't see him in that light, and that's not a knock on him. Like I said, he's going to be an NFL draft pick if he does it right. Any wide receiver that plays goalie in soccer is going to play in the NFL unless they blow their knees out. So he's a quality prospect, but he ain't Julio Jones. I mean, that's what people, Texas fans have to remember. They'll be fine.
2: And maybe one thing on the, the staff portion of that, I remember some herman recruitments where they'd have their top three guys and if something happened to one of those it became a oh no what do we do now at this point with the way this staff offers this staff evaluates and this staff seems to try to keep tabs on a lot of different players of course a lot more attention at the top but keeping tabs on a bunch of different players if something like this hudson situation happens it feels like they have an idea of where they want to go next, who could be next up or where they want to shift their attention a little bit more, uh, a little bit better than the the two staffs that were in between Brown and Sark.
1: And people also need to remember Sarkisian personally was recruiting Wingo through a wide receiver coaching change. Um, Sarkisian really covets Wingo. I'm interest, interested to see where that one goes.
0: Uh, so the next question comes from Joel McWater preaches sometimes kind of a general question here. If there are committable offers, there must be non-committable offers. Well, that? yeah,
1: I mean, Nick Saban probably has 150 non-committable offers <laughs> before summer camp every class. I mean, that's yeah, th- there are. I, so here's, here's what I would say. I think all these offers, anybody Texas brings in on an official visit, I would say they're, they're committable offers until they are. And I know that's what do you mean necessarily by that? Well, there's 20 visitors coming in this weekend. So, look, that, things change. I mean, this is a constant evaluation. Uh, the way guys interact on official visits. The, you know, you could have a kid come in this week, and I will say just act the fool. Just do something. Maybe the team get members of the team go back to SARC or position coach, say, hey, this guy's not a fit with us. Well, that can elevate somebody that was there last weekend. This stuff's constantly changing, constantly evolving. Uh, the evaluation process continues through the official visits. I mean, uh, I think the one thing SARC has done a good job of the staff, done a good job of it, being very thorough. And I think that includes these in person. Official visit weekend. So our, our if they're committable also offers, they're non-committable offers, I think that can change as to when they become non-committable offers. I do think there was at least one prospect this weekend uh, that had a non-committable offer. I'll say that.
0: There you go. Now you know. So next one is from Rodolfo Esqu- Esquivel. Sorry. The transfer portal will be huge this offseason. Guys, what do you think about that? Wing first, Joe. <laughs>
2: Oh man, this one's tough. Well, uh, you got to think about the senior class a little bit. So you're getting the very, some of the very last COVID seniors out. Uh, you're getting some of the 2019 and maybe some 2020 guys who decide to leave, um, or, you know, maybe they transfer out as well. Um, and then you have to think about positions of need. You're, you're probably good on the offensive line. Uh, you don't probably don't need to go there. Um, there may be some defensive spots they want to take some portal additions at. um, Maybe some – if they can – I mean, every every program in the country wants a premier pass rusher. Everybody does, and they rarely appear in the portal. That's the thing about the portal. It's not just, oh, there's always players there. Like, the player you want and need has to be there. So any premier pass rusher, maybe even any defensive lineman uh, to make an impact uh, in the 2024 season, maybe that's where they look. Uh, but, you know, we have to see what happens this year. We have to see what happens with the class. Um, we'll have an idea maybe be towards November. Once we see on the field what the weaknesses and the strengths are once that first portal window opens up in December, who the Longhorns may start to look at. But um, I think there's going to be some positions where it's pretty obvious, maybe in October, it's like, yep, they're going to go there. There's going to be some positions where you look and see, you know what? Uh, they, they can continue to develop from the high school ranks. Cause that seems to be the program's preference is to develop from the high school ranks. And when, there's sizzle to be added, like an Ad Mitchell, like a Quinn Ewers, like a Gavin Holmes. That's where they go and get those guys and add them to the roster.
1: And I was writing down some quick questions, but uh, I think five is the max they take from the portal in a given year. So, hey Blake, real quick, I'm just we're having so many questions. I'm going to run down four questions before we get to our next one. Somebody asked about Rod Babers on the show. He's on the post game show with Bobby Burton during the season. We will absolutely have Rod on. Uh, I think we lost Blake. We will absolutely have Rod on at some point uh, this summer before the season. Uh, Somebody asked about Nair Daniels' recruitment. Nair Daniels out of Bergen Catholic, uh, 6'7", 355, if not 360. uh, We'll know at the weigh-in this weekend. Um, a former teammate of Sadir Mitchell, he makes his official visit this weekend. He's a uh, un- number 157th ranked prospect in the On3 industry rankings. I believe he's a Texas lean over Georgia, Florida State, and Rutgers headed into this weekend. I have not heard anything since through since the Georgia visit last weekend to be fair, but I think headed into that visit, Texas is a slight leader. Brandon Baker, a popular question. Brandon Baker, the number one ranked offensive tackle in the country, five star. Uh, number 21 in the on industry rankings. Brandon Baker visited Texas last week, and Somebody asked him where Oregon is after the Texas visit. Here's the thing with that. Brandon Baker told me uh, uh, before he boarded his flight Sunday um, that he's not visiting Oregon again before he makes a decision. That doesn't mean he doesn't go to Oregon. Obviously, as a brother that plays there, they've play, They've been through some offensive line coaches there through coaching change and such. I think one of the things Texas could have going for him in that recruitment is the stability of Kyle Flood and Steve Sarkeesian and Austin and that offensive scheme. We'll see what happens. He visits Georgia this weekend. He visited Ohio State the 9th through 11th. I think Ohio State's very much in the picture. But I think Texas' position – or if they won the recruitment, it wouldn't shock me. I'm not putting in an RPM yet for Brandon Baker. The last one was Daniel Cruz. Could he commit this weekend? You know, I'm not putting that out of the question. I think he's a big lean to Texas. I think he's one of the very top centers in the country. He's finally inside the top 200 in the country, the on-three industry rankings. I still think the industry's low on him. Uh, not many natural centers with this talent level um, uh, in, in such what he's got. I think Texas leads Oklahoma A&M. Uh, by a decent margin there, so I'll let you get back to it.
0: Like I was just trying to pick some of those off. Well, I appreciate it, and I ha- I'm having some internet issues. I'm, I'm in a press box, for those that don't know. It's a seven on seven deal. So, hey
1: the, the, hey, the AC over your left shoulder gave it away that you're in a press box.
0: <laughs> it feels so good too. Let me <laughs> saying, Joe
1: and, Joe and I know very, what that thing is you know, over there.
0: I'm on the very top floor, and like the floor underneath me is probably at least 30 degrees hotter than this one. So, I'm thankful to be up here. Real quick, guys, I need to talk about Energy Texas, and then we'll get back to some more of these questions. The Energy Texas, they're here to help Texans take their energy savings by the horns. With their Freedom Flex plan for $4.95 a month, you can switch plans every 30 days without penalty. You can enjoy Texas-sized rewards and Texelant customer service that you can hang your hat on. They serve Texans without the bulls. So check them out and see if they can help you soon, especially as hot as it is right now. Everybody needs to be saving on electricity. Uh, so next question here is going to come from Jarrett Johnson, and he says, this recruiting cycle, the strategy has been to take few commitments until the summer official visits. Do you think this will be the strategy in future years, or is just this, is just the way the cycle kind of evolved into?
1: I actually, I actually think that's a great question, and I think this is Texas' plan until it, uh, there's a need, need to change it, because... Not many schools, uh, we're actually, I answered a question on Inside Texas about this today. If you're not a subscriber to Inside Texas, run over. Um, Texas June official visit weekends are hard to beat. I mean, maybe only a, a visit to L.A. or getting dropped off in South Beach can really beat a Texas official visit in June. For parents and prospects, and I know the staff really likes the June visits. They they will bring kids in during the season for game day weekends if that's what the recruitment dictates. That's the whole thing. What does the recruitment dictate? If the recruitment doesn't dictate that, they prefer the June official visit swings uh, because they just think they're hard to beat on a weekend when they have full amount of time uh, to give to the prospects and the family. Uh, families go out and see Austin. They go to they go on the boat cruise. The kids get to see. Uh, Texas when students are there, right? When it's not a game day weekend where they can get out, they can see everything Austin, the university has to offer. And there's a lot of one-on-one time. I just don't think that's going to change. And here's the major reason I don't think it's going to change. 75 to 80% of these kids decide before their senior season. So it makes no sense to recruit otherwise. Um, You don't want to press a lot of early commitments because this staff evaluates through the spring evaluation period and in the senior year. So you're unless it's 10 of the top 50 kids in the country in one cycle want to commit to Texas. You're just, I just don't think you're going to see that with the staff.
2: I think part of it has to do with the top prospects like this calendar. They like doing this all in June. Absolutely. And because it's the top prospects deciding to do that, Texas has to think, okay, well, we got to throw our our eggs into this basket. And it's not always that. Um, I know Trey Owens is maybe not as highly ranked as other quarterbacks Texas has committed, but he was a prospect that jumped in earlier. Flashback to last year, Ryan Niblett and Trey Wisner, uh, two prospects that a lot of state schools wanted. Oklahoma for sure wanted Wisner, and Niblett had other Power 5 schools. I think maybe LSU. I know for sure Houston, but LSU maybe. Um, they jumped in at the spring game on their visit. So yeah. uh, a lot of it just has to do with the, the, the it becoming popular to where you can go right after your junior year you can figure this out you can have it set up and and you know come july after you've made these visits have kitchen table time where you make these decisions where you decide uh based on all the data that you got during june make a decision in july or august and then you enjoy being a kid for your last football season that's something that i think gets lost every now and then that there's still kids. They still want to have fun with their friends. They still want to put on for their high school team. And uh, not having to stress about the recruiting process, in addition to uh, schools being receptive about it, is just a big reason why this June official visit calendar has become really popular.
1: And I'll add to that, Texas is recruiting out-of-state more than they ever have in the history of the program. And 15, I believe, 15 out-of-state official visitors last weekend. If you're recruiting in the deep south and you're recruiting that many guys out from that area, you're not getting those kids committed in January or February. That's going to go into the summer, uh, or late spring at best. These kids are going to take those official visits, um, and they're going to make they're going to use that visit process. Look at a Jordan Ross, Florida, Georgia, Texas, Tennessee, Oregon. Why would you commit in January when you're going to take those five visits? So that as much as Texas is recruiting. Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. You're not getting these kids to commit that early. They're going to go through the process.
2: And they have more than five now. You have yeah. to remember that, too.
1: Yeah. yeah you, you can you can, you can can take official visits till you graduate from high school now. So, I mean, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great points all around. All right, guys, we've got a couple more Super Chats that have rolled in. This first one from Justin Yarbrough. We want to thank him. And he says, Jerry, it seems the staff likes senior risers in, at D-line a position that has a commodity of potential players and how many spots does the staff say
1: I think how many they save kind of depends on after June, July, what their needs are, um, then what it looks like as far as kids that could leave early for the NFL or maybe guys they think are going to portal or if they really find somebody on that level, Um, you know, D line position. I think I actually think there may be one spot left when the season hits, but I think, I think the position's pretty much going to be full. Uh, There's too many guys that are, Melvin Hills, Malik Blockton, I mean, Isaiah Funga. I mean, you go down the list. These guys are going to decide before their senior season. So you got a lot. Buckle up in July. I mean, I I think July is going to see a lot of kids uh, commit to uh, uh, Texas and other schools. These recruitments are going to end. But I think Texas is going to do pretty well. On the defensive line, TJ Lindsay's kind of a wild card. He's coming in this weekend. He's from Bryan, Arkansas. He's going to IMG. It's pretty much going to be IMG Academy weekend. You got Jarrett Gibson, yeah. Jordan Johnson, Rubell, um, Jaden Jackson, and TJ Lindsay. So maybe a good weekend to break out the IMG polo I have. Um, but what, what you know, TJ Lindsay's AM, Miami, Texas, maybe Auburn on the outside looking in. So we'll see which way that goes. Here's the thing, though, that Texas fans have to remember seven official visitors on the d-line they aren't going to take them all they can't take them all uh I, and i think they might get to a crunch where they have to turn somebody down or it's sounding more like that all
0: right so thank you justin for that one and we have another super chat from jesse Ullman, who's just putting them in one after another today he said if you had to pick one who would you pick between oh or you <laughs> let and who would be the most productive at defensive end
1: I'm going Koye because he's he- he's never had an ACL. I know Gillette's back working out, but, you know, as long as one guy's healthy versus one not. And there. that's a great question because they both have to really learn the position. They're kind of jack-of-all-trades in high school. They're so talented at smaller school or home school that you play wherever it takes to win a football game. So both of them have a huge development piece. Even if Texas gets a Koye, Texas fans should be cautious thinking, He's going to come in and be a great player from day one. Colin Simmons has been playing edge at Duncanville since he put on a varsity uniform, okay? And he's been developing, playing it 6A competition. He's the guy that would come in and just tear it up. Uh, Koye, Gillette, these are different guys. These aren't Adwater instant player guys. The development's going to be huge, actually learning how to rush the passer and play off the edge. But I take a Koye because he hasn't had a major injury. I don't know what Joe
2: says yeah i mean both these guys are you know it's i call it the jordan whittington rule are you the best player on every field you step on and and Gillette, maybe he had some competition from his teammate but i bet pretty sure okoye uh is is the best guy on every field he steps on see yeah it's the knee injury because i love that versatility that Gillette can provide i know he's kind of had to do a lot of different things at at marlin when he was still there uh wherever he ended up transferring to. I forget the, the school. Uh, but, you know, he had to do a lot of different things, and I, I like that versatility. It's just that knee injury, and I feel like Okoye, you know, I haven't been able to watch a ton of his film, but it kind of reminds me of, you know, these high-effort players who you know are physical beasts and you know are going to give great effort on every single play, but who knows how their hands are yet. Who knows, you know, if they know how to put together a pass rush repertoire, things like that. But I think Okoye has the physical traits being, you know, almost six five and, you know, 240 with Justin Wells going and seeing him up, up in Oklahoma to where that type of upside, and he, he's doing stuff like still playing receiver at that level and, you know, put the ball in his hands at quarterback. I'm going to pick him, but I still like Gallette at the same time. I like that versatility he provides. Hey,
1: uh, Blake, I'm going to hit three more questions that have been yeah. firing through. Uh, Hunter Modden's been uh, one that's been asked a few times. I do not expect Hunter Modden in the 2024 20, uh, class for Texas Longhorns. How that's going to play out, when that plays out, I don't know. I just don't expect him in the class. Uh, somebody asked about what's an RPM because I've said that that's the on three recruiting prediction machine. Uh, those of us uh, with Inside Texas on three, all the fan site networks, uh, we can put in predictions for where players are going to go. That can either be from uh, 5% to 100%. I actually put in 100% for Micah Hudson uh, this afternoon, by the way, to Texas Tech. Um, first 100% I've ever put in. Um, but uh, so that's one. And then somebody asked about December decisions. I Look, I mean, this is where recruiting's funny. Micah Hudson was supposed to be a December decision. Well, I didn't never really buy that. Uh, but that's what a lot of people were being told. A lot of times this stuff doesn't work out. There's a lot of pressure. We're in the NIL world. In the NIL space now, not many recruitments are actually going to go to December. Uh, If there's one that could, it could be Colin Simmons. He does have the Florida uh, LSU official visit scheduled for November 11th when Florida goes there. I could just as easily see Colin committing before then and still taking a couple of visits. So it's to be determined on these guys. Again, 75 to 80% of these kids are going to decide before their senior year Another ten percent are going to decide right early in September after a couple of game day official visits. The pool around December is very few. Uh, we write more joke and talk. We can talk about this. We write more what they mean stories than who's than who's actually going to commit in December. We're actually scrambling for things to write because these mm-hmm. classes are pretty much wrapped up in December.
2: Yeah, might be a little bit different this year with guys like Simmons. I think Selman Bridges at this point is someone who could. Uh, He said he wants to go towards December, but, you know, it it, it doesn't always stay that way. It's not something written in stone. So, um, yeah, there's a lot more uh, stuff about the upcoming news in the summer than uh, what's going to be written about recruiting in in December. That'll be more reflective instead of uh, looking forward. Hey, uh, Blake,
1: somebody asked about Terrence Heebler. And TJ Lindsay, I, I kind of spoke about, but I want to answer this because people come into this chat different times. I spoke about TJ Lindsay. coming in this weekend. That's the 6'5, 275 pound um, defensive lineman out of Bryan, Arkansas, He's going to be at IMG next year. I think AM, I think I talked to somebody on the Miami side. They thought AM had the lead coming into the Miami visit two weeks ago. He, uh, he was at Miami the 9th through 11th, uh, at AM the 16th through 18th. I talked to him last night. He is coming into Texas this weekend with his family. Uh, I think it could go one of three ways. I don't want to totally discount Auburn. I just haven't heard enough about Auburn. Uh, but I know the recruiting prediction machine loves A&M, but I do know they're under, that recruiting prediction machine is underselling Texas and Miami's chances. I think it could go one of three ways. TJ, uh, Terrence Hibbler, uh, look, he committed to Mississippi State. Mississippi State did a really good job getting him committed prior to going to Alabama June 2nd before. The interesting thing was, even after that commitment, he stayed in contact with Bo Davis, and we never took him off that visit list because he was he was still talking to Texas, and not not just talking to Texas about hey, how's the weather. He's talking to Texas about coming on the official visit, right? So anytime that was happening, we left him on the list. Um, I made a mistake last week taking Jordan Ross off the list. I'm not. I didn't make that mistake with Hibbler. Um, so Hibbler's coming in this weekend. He stayed in contact with Texas. His parents loved the unofficial visit this spring. We'll see what happens. You know, look, Mississippi State will be has three days to fight to get this kid not to get on that flight to come to Austin because they know if he does and that recruitment's up in the air. i oh, sorry, somebody asked about T.J. Lindsay. I said 6'5". He's, he's closer to 6'4". Thank you for that correction.
0: Okay, we're going to jump over to some more team-related questions, and this one comes from – a. Darwin Lemon, and he says, Justice Finkley progressing, seemed motivated and skilled. Either one of you got an answer for that.
2: Yeah, I, I can take that one. Um, in this, you know, Last year, you probably saw uh, Justice Finkley get a, a lot of opportunity behind Baron Sorrell, uh, second string at the jack position. Tried some of that during uh, this past spring, uh, but it ended up competing more with uh, Ethan Burke at Buck at that weak side, kind of hybridized edge position. Um, and the, the word we had at Inside Texas was when it came to rushing the passer, that was a little bit more Ethan Burke's game using those long limbs and uh, some of the frame. And Ethan Burke, to his credit, really re- reworked his body uh, after a uh, his freshman season. Uh, but Justice Finkley, someone who uh, uh, pretty darn stout at, I think, 6'2", six, 6'3", two, six, uh, 260 pounds, uh, was really good against the run. Um, but, Maybe explosiveness isn't exactly his thing. Of course, they're all explosive athletes, but as far as pass rush, first step type explosiveness, not something that he was at least better uh, than Ethan Burke at. Still going to be a, lot, a guy who gets a pretty good amount of playing time, maybe you know against teams that like to run the ball a little bit more or um, you know, may not just have the, the type of pass game that threatens Texas too much. Maybe you'll see more of one than the other over the course, but definitely someone who is going to get uh, some opportunities over the course of this season. And um, just a, a, obviously, I think he's a great asset, too, to sell to other Southeast and Deep South um, prospects. And, hey, here's someone from Hewitt-Trustville. This guy is not far from Auburn. He's not far from Alabama. I think Alabama was a pretty legitimate finalist along with Colorado, and he still chose Texas for the – Football and also the education aspect. So, uh, pretty important. And he'll be someone who plays a good amount this year.
1: So, um, somebody asked about like a non-best non-district uh, high school games. And I had to go check because I've lost track. But I always say Lufkin and Longview is the best game to go to. They are back in the same district. But uh, Lufkin Longview is the, if I had a game to go to, I'd go to that one, especially if it's in uh, Longview. Uh, somebody asked about Alex January. I, we do believe Texas leads headed into the uh official visit this weekend um so that one has not changed for us d-line recruiting in the sec somebody asked about um look here's the one thing i'll say is don't just get caught up in the star rankings on the defensive line recruiting i know georgia alabama clemson ohio state i get it uh jordan davis was a three-star prospect when he came to uh, georgia out of uh, Charlotte uh, Mallard Creek. So, not all prospects that even go there are four-star, high four-star, and five-star guys. Um, we did we talked about this last Friday, I believe. You know, Texas had some big-time three-star players or very lowest four-star players who are NFL draft picks or playing in the NFL right now on the defensive line. And defensive line and offensive line rankings adjust later in senior year from doing this twenty years now. Those guys are those guys develop later physically. Not that. Not the David Warrens, the Colin Simmons of the world. Those guys are known commodities early. But some of those interior defensive line guys, they develop more coming into senior year and offensive line guys. So just remember that in the rankings process, that there's a lot of fluctuation on both offensive and defensive lines all the way through January senior year when you get through the All-Star
0: Games. All right, we got a, uh, some more Super Chats that just rolled in, guys. So I'm going to jump over to those. This first one from Robert Muhammad. we want going to thank him. How many players do you think Texas signs in the class of 24? Who do you think are the three biggest names? Who has the best 2023, Sweat or Murphy? So any order y'all want to go in? Yeah, and,
1: and, and Robert's never said if he's related to Malik, but if he ever does, I don't think he is. Maybe he did. Um, how many players do I think Texas signs in 24? I actually could see up to 26. I I really could. I think that number could go pretty high. I don't see 28 to 30. Somebody asked about that. I'm not sure I see that right now. I could see 25, 26. Uh, three biggest names. Um, look, Colin Simmons is a huge name. I mean, he's the number one name. I think then you go to Kobe Black, five-star corner out of Waco Connolly, um, and, and I think a big one. You know, look, I mean, Mike Hudson was in the state of Texas. I get it. it was a big name. Um, but when I saw Ryan Wingo was visiting, that one caught my attention. I'm not saying Ryan Wingo is going to be a first-round pick at wide out, but – Very much for the reasons that Cedric Baxter was such a huge recruit for Texas last class. Texas had never gone into Orlando or the state of Florida and signed a number one running back in the country. I thought for years Texas should recruit St. Louis more. Oklahoma's made a living in Kansas City and St. Louis. Um, And Ryan Wingo is the best player in St. Louis uh, and he was on campus last June, and he was back officially last weekend. I would love to see Texas win a recruitment in St. Louis because I think that this staff could have success there. And if they find success in a guy like Wingo, why not go back? They tried on Williams, uh, the big-time five-star edge this year. They couldn't get in on him. But I think that's an area that Texas has missed in recruiting for many years. So I think that makes it a big recruitment. The other one's Daniel Calhoun, offensive tackle out of Atlanta. And I know the Texas fans are salivating at beating Kirby Smart for an offensive tackle out of Atlanta. His dad played at Bama, so he's not the typical kid that grows up in Georgia with Georgia uh, jersey on when he's three years old. But still, if Texas were to go in to Atlanta and get one of the top tackles in the country that Georgia covets and Alabama covets and Tennessee covets, that's the short choice of Kyle Flood. That would be a pretty big recruiting win. Uh, Joe, you want to take a swing on Sweat and Murphy?
2: Yeah, I'll do one thing about the class – Uh, Steve Sarkeesian throughout his tenure says, I'm going to take a full class. Now that could mean 24. Like you said, Jared could mean 26, but it's going to be in that range. You know, if I think if he says publicly that it's a little bit different and they're taking fewer guys, that's the only time you'd probably see some uh, variants, but for the most part, you're going to be in that 24, 25 range. Um, I like that you mentioned Gibson, uh, Jared Gibson for that second question. I uh, agree with all the other names you mentioned. I think Jarrett Gibson, what he may not have in top-end speed. Man, between the tackles when he's working, uh, he works the speed ladder probably uh, as well as anybody uh, in high school right now. And then best 2023, here's the thing. I think they set up Byron Murphy. You can make an argument that Byron Murphy, without a premier pass rusher, and that's not to knock uh, Baron Sorrell. That's not to knock the, the guys who are currently at Buck. You could make an argument that that Byron Murphy is the guy who is best at getting after the passer. So if you've got a 350-something pound Tavondre Sweat who can go occupy two guys, you can do some things with maybe uh, Jalen Ford or whoever ends up at will, or maybe if you're playing with a Sam linebacker, you can maneuver things to where Byron Murphy gets some one-on-ones. I don't know about impact-wise uh, because, I mean, if, if, if Tavandre Sweat's taking two guys to be able to let uh, Murphy do those things, Murphy's going to count the stats up. So it could just be, uh, you know, those two playing off of each other. But I think in the stat book, uh, in the stat sheet, you may see Byron Murphy reap the benefits of the way they
0: deploy those two at the tackle position. All right, guys, we got about 10, 15 minutes left, so you got plenty of time to still get some of your questions in. we got a couple more Super Chats, but before we get to those, I need to tell everybody about Energy Texas one last time. They're here to help Texans take their energy savings by the horns with their Freedom Flex plan for $4.95 a month. You can switch plans every 30 every thirty days without penalty. You can enjoy Texas size rewards and excellent customer service that you can hang your hat on. They serve Texans without the bull. Go check them out, EnergyTexas.com. Or give them a call at the 855 number on the screen. So we want to thank them for sponsoring the show each and every Tuesday night. And now that next Super Chat comes from Jesse Olman again. Any updates on the new coaching hires and how they might be helping already?
1: I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'm going to say something on this that's, that's going to be interesting. Um, I think one of the hires is going to greatly help Sark and Quinn, or the, the starting quarterback moving forward at Texas. Um, Last year, because Sark's the head coach in the game and Milwee's in the box, there wasn't – when Quinn came off the field, there wasn't that guy that went straight to him and said, okay, here's what we're seeing, blah, 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 like you see in in the NFL. I think you're going to see that this year. And I think that's going to be something very noticeable different from last year. And so that – whoever takes that role of these recent hires is going to be huge for Quinn Ewers and Texas quarterbacks in the future because Sark can't do it all as the head coach. Um, And A.J. Milwee is in the booth. Um, So I think that is something to watch, guys, when you're watching Texas play this year. Um, You could go back and watch games on Longhorn Network probably and see that when Quinn came off the field, there wasn't that person there with him. Um, Watch that this year. I think that's going to be a big difference
2: yeah um i'll go on the I, I like that part uh talking about paul christ and even for sark that's a former play calling head coach himself and mm-hmm. obviously he's in a position now uh he's not calling plays but you know that that's the type of monday through friday uh edition that's really valuable that he can tell sark hey you know think about this think about this i don't know how much exactly they can do on game day but chris can go to uh sark he can go to mili Milwee can relay the message But I'll go with the special teams. Uh, Joe DeCamillis, the the longtime um, special teams guy in the NFL. I think that's big for Jeff Banks because, of course, it's going to help out um, Jeff Banks in dealing with Jatavian Sanders. Um, He's supposed to have a big year this year, a guy that, you know, day one, day two at a minimum in in a lot of people's minds. But Jeff Banks has to find someone to replace Andre Carrick. Uh, Has to find, I know, you know, he's in the XFL now. Uh, he has to find someone he thought he was going to have maybe Jaleel Billingsley for some of those games until Jaleel, you know, ultimately did not really want to do what it took to play football uh, at Texas. So the thing is, Jeff Banks has a big spring and summer and fall ahead of him and making sure that that tight end position, even with the, the focus likely on 11 personnel, the one running back, one tight end, you still got to have somebody ready. You have to have that room ready. Um, and I think that Uh, Joe DiCamiles being able to take some of the pressure off of uh, Jeff Banks, who's really great in his schemes on special teams. Texas prides themselves on that. Um, And also, I'm forgetting his name, unfortunately, but there's a kicking and punting uh, quality control coach. Helps him out as well um, in in instructing guys like Will Stone and Burt Auburn. So um, I think that that's a big deal. You know, like Jerry was talking about with Paul Christ and Sark, it You know, that's the third phase That's where the hidden yardages are and all the other football cliches. Uh, the presence of a, a, a special assistant for special teams and that having that focus I think is going to really help Jeff Banks in a lot of different areas. And somebody
1: came in and said, uh, B- Jeff Banks talked to Quinn coming off the field. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Banks as a tight ends coach, special teams coach. I'm talking about quarterback-centric uh, and the way they're watching the game, the way they're delivering information to Quinn. That's going to be – just watch for that in games this year. That's going to be a big change. Somebody asked about this. Recruit, y'all love the cover. I, You know, look, I don't know how many guys on here go way back like I do in recruiting. Martellus Bennett was one of the most entertaining, funny guys ever. And I know – I wish Bobby was here because he'd roll his eyes. Uh, (laughs) But I think Bobby may have been doing the broadcast when Martellus committed to A&M or maybe was part of that. I can't remember. Martellus Bennett had – about as much personality as any kid I've ever covered. And um, I just I was purely entertained, and it happened to be that he was a great player and you knew he was going to play in the NFL, Um, and that he was also really good in basketball. So when he was like, I might play both, he wasn't just BSing. I can't imagine Martellus in today's social media day and age with NIL. I mean, he would be off the charts great to cover. Um, So I just wanted to answer that one.
0: We got another super chat from Jesse Ullman that I got to get to, guys. Uh And this one says, Ross, Bledsoe, or Bryant? Portal candidates after this year or find a home in a certain position? Your thoughts?
2: I think all these guys are going to work towards finding their position homes this year because with uh, – uh Ross is pretty, pretty much a defensive tackle. I don't think that there's a position Ed, Ed, flex. Ed, Ed. With, you mean – No, Aaron, Aaron – uh, oh, Chris Ross. Yes. I'm thinking Aaron Bryant. Aaron yes. Bryant's a defensive tackle. Yeah, right. Correct. There yeah. we go. Uh From Mississippi, he's yep. 300 plus pounds. Had you're a good against him. the run. Yes. Yeah, you're not going to put him on the edge. Ross and Bledsoe, kind of from high school expectations, flip-flopped a little bit. I think there was a thought that Ross was going to be able to grow into a three technique, maybe look like somebody uh kind of like Moro Ojemo down the road. Maybe not all the way up to 300, but someone who could... Uh, do a lot of different things for you but his frame just didn't take on not because of lack of effort just that's how human bodies work sometimes he stick his frame kind of stuck with that of being more of a uh edge a buck and that's where they worked him in the spring uh chris ross uh sorry huh. chris ross edge aaron bryant defensive tackle Jerray bledsoe they can move him all over they are so impressed with his athleticism Jerry, you talked about, you know, when he was back at Marlin, just how impressive he was athletically and how he really made the most of enrolling early last year. I think he only got like a couple games worth of action in, Uh, but this is someone they feel like they can use on standard downs, maybe on the edge if they want to get it a little bit larger. They feel like they can also maybe bump him inside because of his strength. And he's someone I think who's got a really bright future at Texas. I don't think that. Jeray Bledsoe is, is someone I'm worried about uh, hitting the portal.
1: Now, I think I think Jeray Bledsoe's upside is, remains really high. Uh, people have to remember you now he came out of high school as raw as any defensive line prospect I've covered in a few years. Um, so that he was just he, you know he went from Marlin to Bremond, back to Marlin. Um, but you look, he's a kid who was more of a basketball guy than a football guy. He didn't realize he loved football till late. Um, And so he came out as raw as any prospect, uh, but there's a reason uh, Ed Orzeron, Alabama, all these programs wanted him. He is a guy that by year three and four, I really think it has a chance to take off as a player. A lot of that's going to be how patient is he? If he'll have patience and continue to develop, Dre Bledsoe has NFL potential.
0: Tim Slanis says, Bledsoe is a kid to root for. Him achieving achieving massive success would be an amazing story. I
1: mean, look, he's a kid who was denied eligibility by the UIL and one of the dumbest rulings I've ever seen in the UIL. The kid literally lived by Marlin High School, within a mile of the high school, transferred to Bremont. Shouldn't have been playing at Bremont, but they had classes that Marlin uh, didn't, but... Then he realizes when he decides he wants to try to be an early graduate from high school, he had to go back to Marlin to do that because of something with the classes. I don't remember the whole kicker on that, but he ended up going back to Marlin, and he was deemed ineligible. When he lived within a mile or two of Marlin High School the whole time, it's literally (laughs) one of the dumbest rulings I've ever seen, and it probably cost Marlin a chance at the state title that year. Oh, man,
0: yeah. Uh, we got another one here. This one from Robert Muhammad again. And by the way, Jerry, he did say no relation earlier. Okay. I don't know if you saw that, but no relation. Uh, so thank you, Robert. What does a healthy season for Witt mean for AD and X?
2: Maybe you want to switch those around. What does a healthy season for AD and X mean for Jordan Whittington? I mean, Jordan Whittington was able to uh, put together his best and full season uh, as a Longhorn and uh, was second in catches behind. Uh, Xavier Worthy, but you know, we learned in spring about Xavier Worthy's hand injury, and that doesn't excuse everything that happened with Worthy. Uh, but obviously, it had a huge factor, and he still turned in a statistically good year, even though there were some low, lows in his play. So, um, I I think it's you know, if you're able to spread the field and have AD Mitchell on the boundary and healthy and ready to roll, we've seen he's a big time player, he makes plays in big games. If you've got Jordan Whittington there in the slot, also one of the fiercest blockers in the wide receiver room, you're opening things up for Xavier Worthy, who you can move all over the field as well. Oh, and by the way, Jatavian Sanders is still there. So um, I think it's more what does a healthy Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell mean for Jordan Whittington. I think that allows him to still have a successful year. Because remember last year, Texas was probably going to be able to run more personnel packages than than this year if Isaiah Nayor stayed healthy. I think Nayor was probably going to end up being the guy who played a lot of that spot that Casey Kane did, and Casey Kane did okay, but I I think they were higher on Nayor um, throughout the spring and then in fall camp. That kind of changes. They realize, okay, we need to emphasize Bijan and and, and Roshan. Our quarterback is still young and inexperienced and learning, so we really need to lean into that run game. This year, you hope uh Quinn Ewers has made those jumps. You you knock on wood for health. And if that happens, I think that that's gonna spread safeties a little bit more towards over over the top on Xavier Worthy, over the top on uh ad Mitchell, and give uh Jordan Winnington some opportunities underneath that maybe he didn't have a lot last year because Jordan Winnington, great receiver, but he's not he didn't do very well against press coverage and Sometimes in twelve personnel, he was on the line of scrimmage, and uh, teams could get up in his face. Uh, somebody
1: asked about David Peavy at Duncanville and basketball. Rodney Terry, I do want to answer that. Um, look, I don't think there's a bad relationship there. Um, uh, yeah, Chris Beard signed, but somebody from Duncanville, Ole Miss, that was a six ten kid whose recruitment really never took off. That uh, um, Texas was actually going to was going to monitor him his senior year. Obviously, Beard needed to add a big. Uh, another big at old Miss is Beard's playing much different style. old Miss City at Texas, by the way. But now the Holland stuff. I mean, I just I look. David Peavy is going to have a lot of good players come through Duncanville as long as he's there. Rodney Terry is going to recruit Duncanville. There's a 2025. That's a Texas offer. Caden Edwards there. Um, those relationships aren't going to get sour uh, to the point where you're not recruiting the kids. All
0: right, guys, we got time for probably about two more questions. We're going to take one more super chat from Tim Salinas. And it's kind of a two-part question here, so bear with me. Hey, by
1: by the way, somebody asked about Jermaine O'Neal Jr. He's actually visiting Texas tomorrow. Keep going.
0: There you (laughs) go. (laughs) So Tim wants to know, why is the back of the Texas helmet so noisy? But then he elaborates. So give me just a second here. He says, we have the conference logo, a warning label, numbers, American flag, etc. Did Coach Royal sign off on that? All righty.
2: Well, the numbers have been there for the longest. So you've always had the, the steer head. You've always had the numbers. You can think uh, that warning label, that warning label, fun fact, I guess, not actually about concussions. It's about head fractures. That's what that warning label I think is about. And it basically says, I mean, Hey, it's supposed to help, but it's only a protective equipment. American flag kind of become a constant and big 12 logo. Also uh, just, you know, fact of life. Um, Wait till you get to a bowl game. They throw that on there. Um, It's just part of, modern football. I did see somebody in the uh, the chat complain about uh, uniforms and the neck logo. And I've even got one in my closet, but they got rid of that neck logo last year. They got rid of the shoulder numbers last year. So uh, the Texas uniforms that, that they currently have uh, look a lot, probably a lot more like the ones of old uh, that, that fans are really used to uh, than the ones that they were had from uh, twenty thirteen to twenty twenty one. I think if I'm not mistaken. Hey Joe,
1: I gotta ask because we're almost out of time. What's your hat?
2: This is so my fiance went to Choate Rosemary Hall up in uh, Connecticut, ah. and they actually put some football talent out. I knew I I'd never they, seen that hat before. <laughs> they are the the wild boars, and they actually put some football talent out. I think they got a Michigan commit right now. Okay. So okay. pretty interesting and uh, just. Thought I'd put it on for, uh, I got I got too many hats. They got to hit in Salvation Army. but I,
1: I didn't think that was like Chattanooga. So I, I, I guess <laughs> Chattanooga, I knew I was going to be wrong.
2: <laughs> I still, This one, I, it's pretty obvious, I feel yeah, it's like. It's pretty obvious, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> we got a, well, We got another one from Jesse Olman, just a comment. And he says, Jerry, I'm volunteering for you, for your driver, your next big trip. He's been a Marine for 22 years. Thank you for your service and driving everywhere and in any type of vehicle so jerry there you go hey well
1: hey jesse i've got to go see kj lacy a couple times uh next (laughs) year maybe stop by the south alabama football office say hello to coach major applewhite so hey maybe we'll make a roadie
0: (laughs) there you go you have to look jesse up all right guys this is going to be it this will be the last question for tonight and i'm putting you both on the spot Thomas Quinn wants to know over under two and a half commits by the end of the day on Sunday.
1: No, you answer for you. I'll answer for Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> because I lost last week. So I don't deserve I, an
0: answer.
2: I lost last week too. I set the over under at 0.5 and I said under. Um, I, I don't think they get anybody this weekend. Now they may give some guys who give assurances to Steve Sarkeesian uh, that say, Hey, this is my date. I will be choosing you on this date I don't know if they get anybody to go public this weekend because a lot of these players who are showing up have timelines that they'd like to stick to Sarkeesian may want to move them off of it but um, I don't think there's anybody coming in that there's they're going to be able to say hey let's go right now I think a lot of these kids are um, ready to go into like I said kitchen table time and make their decision a little bit down the road and into the summer
1: um, yeah, I, I would go with under on two and a half. One, one and a half was a little tougher last week. I took the under. I thought maybe one guy would pop. It ended up being two. Two and a half is a big number with this with this group this weekend. I think two may pop, but I don't think it's going to be three. Publicly.
0: All right, there you go. And, of course, Jerry, as you said, Bobby nailed it last week. Bobby took
1: nine. So he's over <laughs> under his eight and a half. So y'all hold him to it.
0: <laughs> Bobby nailed it with two, I must say. He ran right on the money. So, uh, well that's, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Tuesday night on Texas Football live stream. Of course, visit on InsideTexas.com for all the latest and breaking Longhorn news, the best coverage there is out there. Joe, Jerry's articles, everybody else on staff, they do an amazing job. So be sure to go and check that out. You get one month for $10 or a year for $100 at InsideTexas.com. And of course, we also want to thank Energy Texas for sponsoring the show. We want to thank Jesse Ullman, Kale Sherrod, Justin Yarbrough, Robert Muhammad, and Tim Salinas for all the Super Chats as well. Um, And that's going to do it for this edition. We'll be back same time, same place next week. And for Joe and Jerry, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you then.